This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre, with expert commentary, analysis, and insights into the issues of the day. Bureaucratic delays, barges the size of football pitchers, potential target of river pirates, tropical rainstorms, and their boat hold in two places were just a few of the obstacles faced by Mark Durand and Anton Wright in their record-breaking row along the Amazon. They still don't know exactly how many miles they covered because their charts and GPS mapping proved unreliable. The total is at least 2,077, but the reality is likely to be closer to 2,400 miles. The initial plan was for them to row unsupported, but because they lost so much time working through the bureaucratic jungle in Lima, they were joined by an experienced Amazon traveller. That caused problems in itself. Did Dr Durand ever doubt that they would finish the trip? One thing that frightened me more than anything else uh, were the barges on the river at night. We had to keep the boat moving 24-7 because we'd run out of time, which meant we'd row at night even if the Brazilian Navy told us not to. Um, and so when you row at night, you have a choice. Either you put a navigation light on the boat or you don't. If you put a navigation light on other people on the river, see you. And there's a fair bit of traffic on the Amazon. It's the, it's the main artery going through that part of Brazil and Peru. The problem is if you have the navigation light on, you don't see anything. So you turn the light off. When you see the light off, you can see the shadows of boats moving about, but they can't see you. And so it's an interesting trade-off game that you play through the night. What gets very worrying is when you hear the deep roar of an engine moving close by and you don't see where the hell that's coming from. Occasionally you can pick up the red and green lights, um, but in, in my case I'm terrible at judging distance or direction. And so you just don't know what direction that boat is travelling in. And so if you turn navigation light on, then they might notice you and may or may not pay attention, which is our experience. Okay? A lot of people don't seem to care either way. Um, I remember one night in particular whereby it was my duty to row, Anton was asleep. I heard the roar of a barge coming closer and closer. I had no idea what direction it was moving in. And so I'd stayed parallel to the bank, um, which is what you would normally do. The barge, however, had decided to cross over to the other side of the river. Um, and I remember taking out a torch just to shine it around a little bit and seeing this barge literally feet away. Now, these barges are absolutely massive. Um, yeah, they're being pushed by sort of little push boats. The barges lengthwise, I mean, they'd be, they'd be the size of a football pitch length and width. I mean, I, I, I think that's probably about right. And sometimes there are two or three being pushed by a little push boat. They're flat boats, like little punts, but, but they're just massive and metal. And I saw this thing coming towards us, and I said, oh, this is, this is it. And Anton heard me, came out, sounded the uh, kind of emergency alarm, started shouting at the, at the driver and using a flashlight to get his attention. And for some reason, when I started back on the boat, we were close enough to the edge of the barge to just literally miss it by a few feet. But that barge would have absolutely crushed us, and a driver would probably have no idea. And th- that's something that happened not just once, but a number of times, but there were a couple of particular close calls. And uh, it wasn't even a question of will we make it, will we not. I thought we were dead. Anton, for you, what was the most difficult? I think the physically... It, we, we, it was exactly as we expected it to be hard and we we'd mentally prepared ourselves for the physical element but the psychological strain that we put on ourselves and that was put upon us was uh, phenomenal it, it was very intense and you know still quite upsetting when you say the psychological strain that was put upon you who who put that strain on you that pressure on you well, we, we, we were put on the back foot by the shipping agents or the customs and shipping agents in Peru right from the very start. 
So before we could even commence, we'd spent a month, or I'd certainly spent a month in Peru, which would have been preparation and logistics, just playing a waiting game or um, dealing with agents in Lima. And it's it's a very complicated system over there. It's, it's very bureaucratic. As we were a month behind, everything we had done in the UK was vital preparation-wise, and I'm very thankful that we had prepared ourselves properly at, at this end. However, in the in South America, the preparation time that we had was matter of hours as opposed to weeks, and that really, I think that affected us both. We made some um, huge changes to the to the way that we worked. Obviously, bringing on a third person is probably the largest. Um, adaptation that we made. I was going to ask about that because you, when, when you introduce that third person, three men in a boat, you change the whole dynamic, don't you? If the pair of you are rowing, it's a discussion and a decision. Three people rowing or three people involved is a vote. We had very little choice. We had hoped to have six weeks, uh, maybe a little bit more to row the river. We were left with, with just about a month. And so the decision was made to get a third person on board for the reasons of speed, number one. And to deal with the threat of piracy, the person we chose was very highly recommended, um, came with a particular background that he didn't want us to disclose in detail, uh, except that it's, it's military and it's, um, um, and, you know, wore the scarves on his, off his body, on his body of, of uh, you know, the gunshot wounds and a knife. You know, but it's sort of, I mean, he'd, he'd been there and done it and wasn't afraid of anything at all in the world. And so we took him on board because of his lack of fear and because I think he instilled as a result of confidence that we would be okay going through some pretty rough areas. Despite being grateful for helping us through a very rough patch, um, the last two weeks were far more what Anton and I had hoped the row would be. It was just the two of us. We got along phenomenally well. We tried really hard. Um, and we also knew that actually we had no one else to rely upon us, just just me and him. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with Mark. I mean, we, we both experienced the same... Um aspects of the row. I think the the way that we both dealt with uh, the third person was was different. We we both had very different approaches to it. I I I think I was very focused on the task because it, that was just more of a workhorse kind of mentality and but Mark was very um conscious about the well-being of um individuals of the crew and uh, and that's that's a credit to Mark to be fair. But I think the way that we both approached the new person, the third person, differed greatly, and and that also changed our experiences in the end. These are the dark corners. Where where are the lighter the lighter areas, the bits that you can say I actually enjoyed that? The lightest point for me was directly after the darkest. There was a point in Manaus where Mark and I had had a, a long discussion. Mark was very traumatized and upset, and um, and so was I. And we had a very frank, sh- brief conversation. And Mark said, sh- "You know, do you want me to continue?" And I said, "Yes." Why do you want me to continue? You know, how would, how is it going to be? And I, I gave a, a, a you know, my description of how I think it should be. And I, I tried to be very upbeat and a very sincere and, you know, in, in a sincere way. And we got on that boat and we pushed off. And it was as though every frustration and annoyance. And everything, every every negative aspect of the journey of the area of that time, just melted away with each stroke. Every stroke we took, 
I got more relaxed. I got more comfortable with Mark. We became, well, we, we never lost our friendship. I think we, we both agree we never lost our friendship. We just lost our faith and trust maybe mm-hmm. in each other at one point. Mark, before you started out, you said that you were, you were intent on finding out a little bit more about yourself because that's what you do. You look at gr- groups, people, individuals under pressure. What did you learn about yourself? Oh, frankly, that's just partly that I'm not nearly as perfect as I <laughs> hoped I would be. I've got lots of dark places um, that I'd rather not have confronted, but I, I did have to. Um, working in teams is is such a difficult thing to do if you want to do it effectively. And I knew that from observation. I've you know, done this for 15 years, but um, to do it myself and to put myself on a firing line was in that sense, I think, a very good thing to do. You've got the record, you've finished, you've survived, you've, you've gone through quite quite a, a, a 30 days, 31 days, I think it was, altogether, wasn't it? In good health, but you survived. I mean, how does that make you feel? It was, it's interesting for me, when we landed back in the UK, I opened up my news feed or my uh, BBC, you know, to see what was happening in the world, because we have been very isolated. Mm. And the news articles that come up talk of people being stabbed, 71-year-old women being mugged for pensions and the most horrific things in the world right here at home. Mm-hmm. And yet we were warned about horrific things mm-hmm. in Brazil and Peru and we were confronted by nothing but help, friendship, assistance. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think the realisation is that these places aren't as bad or as dangerous as people make out they are. And in fact, they, they're in a number of ways, much safer than we are here. We just cushion ourselves in a different way or we feel safe in our surroundings. Mm-hmm. And I I loved every moment of dealing with the people, the surroundings, the environment, and even the traumatic times, I look back with fond memories because the reality of it is it's, it's just a, a wonderful place and a wonderful experience that we've just put ourselves through. I think one of the uh, key realisations going back um, aside from everything Anton has said, which I completely agree with, um, is the, the observation that everything I love most is actually ironically closest to home. Um, it sounds very sentimental, but that's probably one of my most powerful observations. I mean, I've you know, I've gone out with surgeons to Afghanistan. I've you know spent a couple of years living with the, the the rowers in Cambridge. I've done this work with comedians, with scientists. I've had to travel quite far, um, always looking for. Uh, the answer to a question that I don't even know how to begin to articulate. I think one of the most powerful observations, absolutely, being on the Amazon, you know, with Anton, was that in fact everything I care about most deeply is right here. It's, it's my little girls. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Thank you both very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.